Hello and welcome to another episode of the More From Law podcast. I'm your host, Harry Clark. This episode features Mel Scott, perhaps better known as the in-house lawyer on Instagram. Perhaps unsurprisingly in this episode, Mel and I discuss everything about in-house law, what it is, how it's different to what you might first think of when you picture solicitors, as well as how to break into this area of the profession and learn more about it when you're studying. Let's get into it. So hi, Mel. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. I know we started talking through Instagram, through um, your account, which aptly summarizes the topic we're going to be talking about today, which is the in-house lawyer. Um, in all honesty, it's an episode I'm really looking forward to because it's a chance for me to learn something um, about an area of law that I know absolutely nothing about. <laughs> and having the uh, the namesake of that part of the industry here is uh, is really, really a pleasure. Um, so before we get too much into the in-house side of things, um, a nice kind of introductory question I like to ask when people come on the show is, why did you want to be a lawyer in the first place? And what's your sort of background state for people who have had the chance to meet you? Well, I, I wish I could say I had altruistic reasons to study law. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, 17-year-old me was was really just quite good at legal studies at high school, and I really enjoyed that subject. Mm. I figured studying law would be interesting. I didn't really think about career prospects or what kind of lawyer I wanted to be. I had vague ideas of working for like a media company or in the music industry, but it mm. was it was all very um, it was all very surface level decision making to be honest, and it, it just seemed like something that I would enjoy. So I um yeah I suppose that was the decision to to study. Okay. And where whereabouts are you sort of based now? I know obviously your namesake says in-house what's your sort of practicing role at the moment? Yeah, so from there I um gosh, I mean the 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 short version or the long version. <laughs> I I I've, I've been practicing for about 10 years now and mm-hmm. I started as a private practice lawyer in Australia as you can probably hear from my accent and <laughs> I I pretty much was chasing the goal that I was told I should be and at university mm-hmm. particularly in Australia I'm sure it's it's the same elsewhere the private practice commercial firms are very prominent and they advertise to law students and mm-hmm. you have the best opportunity to know about that way of practicing above and beyond all other uh, avenues that exist. So I just followed what my peers were doing and what seemed like the obvious choice and ended up in a, a graduate position, which was absolutely amazing. And there's a bit of a story about how I got to that because it wasn't the traditional clerkship uh, mm-hmm. Or you might call it a, a vacation, uh, or a, what would you? What would that be equivalent? Probably be? a tra- training contract or a vacation. I don't, there's so many phrases for so many different jurisdictions. Yeah. So I don't know what the, yeah. the common one is. Basically, a graduate a, position. an intern. An inter- I didn't do an internship. I didn't have any relationships with law firms, and still mm-hmm. managed to find essentially full-time employment as a baby mm-hmm. lawyer with absolutely no experience. So mm-hmm. that was amazing, and I took that that challenge on and I threw myself into learning and absorbing and being a part of the legal profession. I then was able to have really a pivoting experience for my career, which was going on secondment to a client and working mm-hmm. for one of the firm's clients uh, for six months. And that's where I heard about in-house and I saw what it was and what it would be to be an in-house lawyer. And I absolutely loved it. When I came back to the firm, I couldn't shake the feeling of 
the experience that I had had and mm. I think I knew pretty quickly that that's something I wanted to do long term. So this was at about three years of post-admission or, or post-qualification experience and still a, a junior lawyer and still very much learning the ropes, but I I already had one eye or one foot out the <laughs> door perhaps <laughs> at that point. So I, I saw the partnership road and then I saw another road and mm. I decided to take in many, many regards the road less travelled and have not looked back since. And that was about six, seven years ago now. Wow, that's really interesting. And there was a point you made slightly earlier, which I wanted to kind of support you on, which was when it came to learning about career paths at university, um, I think you're absolutely right that private practice firms and especially commercial ones as well um, really do kind of have a big presence and they, they do have the ability to market themselves quite heavily to door students. And I think, um, you know, that was one of the ideas behind this podcast, at least, was just to kind of show you that there are, you know, an abundance of careers out there following your LLB degree and half of them mm. probably even aren't even in the legal field. Um, so I think to kind of mm. peel back the curtain to learn more about that in-house route is really important. Um, and I guess you kind of mentioned it there going on secondment. Um, it's something that I personally want to do when I start my training contract. But um, when it came to trying that experience and then having that itch that you kind of couldn't shake when it came back, what was that specifically? What was it that was the main kind of factors or elements at hand that you got mm. from that secondment experience that made you go, actually, I really want to make the decision to, to you know, go from private practice into that in-house one? It was a number of things. I think the mm-hmm. top, the top uh, decisions or elements were, I mean, number one, you traditionally do not bill your time. You do not have mm-hmm. billable hours or targets as an in-house lawyer. And there's a real freedom in that life and in that work day to not be thinking in six-minute increments or in billable hour targets. And I really mm-hmm. loved the, the freedom, to be honest, and, and to know that everything that I was working on was valuable and it was not it wasn't billable or not billable. It was just what needed to be done. And the client mm. focused on the output, the work product that I was delivering. They weren't focusing on how long it took me to do it. And mm. the input versus output mentality and the culture that comes with that shift, I think, is just fundamental from a private practice experience to an in-house experience. And I, I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I also enjoyed having one client and mm. that was the company that I was seconded into and now it's the company that I work for and I get the opportunity to just really deep dive into that client, into the industry, into the the market, the trends, the strategy of the company, what it's trying to achieve and I get to be a part of that. You know, it's not always... Uh, and it's not always an option in private practice when you have many clients, whether they are individuals or corporations or companies, to, mm. to deep dive and to really know them and to really be a, a true business partner. Um, and the in-house experience really gave that to me. I think the third difference and element that I really enjoyed was the chance to be a, a generalist and to have diversity mm. in my practice. So I would be called upon and I am called upon to give advice on so many areas of the law at a general level. I almost feel like a GP if, it, if we were talking about <laughs> medicine. And, you know, at some point, 
I just won't know the answer and I won't have the expertise. And then mm-hmm. we would brief out that matter to private practice, external lawyers who are the specialists. And again, using that medical analogy, you've got your GP and at some point they're like, oh, I just, I'm not sure. I'm going to refer you to, you know, yeah. a specialist in this field. So you do, you definitely do still need to know where your boundaries are and where you want to be giving advice and how you want, whether you'd like to deep dive into one area of the law or have a general understanding across many, many areas. And, um, and for me, I, I was, I just loved the opportunity to be a, a Jill of all trades and a master of some, if I was lucky. Mm. So I'd say that's the, the key differences. And I guess there's also a, a kind of fundamental difference when it comes to deciding what type of in-house opportunity you want to pursue as well, because I think a lot of law students and a lot of kind of trainees who are going through that qualification process are often thinking, oh, what sort of practice area do I want to work at? And I'm guessing the different question when you're transitioning to in-house is instead, what kind of company do I want to work at? So when you were kind of thinking about making that decision, were you wanting to work in a company that, you know, had that kind of particular specialism in a certain industry or that had a certain sort of cultural working style? What was, what was your sort of process? Yeah, that's exactly what you can start to look for and to look for industries and for companies that, you know, align with your values or your passions or your interests. And for me, the first opportunity was really, I was looking for any, anything to get my foot into the door. And junior opportunities for in-house counsel back, you know, six years ago were, were fairly far and few between. I do think that that has changed significantly more recently mm. for a couple of reasons. But, but at that time, I was just happy to really throw myself in anywhere. And, there were opportunities that came up and I interviewed and, and you know, it took time to, to get to know the right recruiters who, who work with companies and to get to know what they were looking for and to craft my CV and my experience to be the ideal candidate, essentially. Um, and then as it turned out, the first in-house role that I had was for an airport and it was an absolutely, it just could not have asked for a better first experience as an in-house lawyer the oh I just I just absolutely loved it I got to work across so much more than just what comes to mind when you think of an airport you know obviously Mm -hmm. there's there's infrastructure construction there's aviation dealing with airlines there's retail there's shop leases commercial leases industrial leases property law environmental law employment law and, and the corporate side of the the corporation which was you know airports are traditionally quite um quite large and have interesting shareholder mixes and bases mm-hmm. superannuation funds government sometimes there's international law at play and understanding space law i just mm-hmm. it just went on and on it was absolutely fantastic and i stayed there for 4 years and really cut my teeth as an in-house lawyer and learnt what that meant and how that how I could add value in the corporation across really lots of lots of different areas of the law. And from there, I was my next move was one that I was a little bit more strategic about and thinking about the type of company, the type of industry. And mm-hmm. what I found, which was exactly what I was looking for, was a dynamic startup technology company Mm -hmm. and that's where I work now 
And one thing I kind of wanted to ask you about um, when it comes to kind of, this, I guess, the general career path for in-house opportunities. So I think um, students, you know, they watch things like Suits. They see you all the time in TV, how, you know, barristers work in court and solicitors are working their way to partnership. Um, what's kind of the in-house distinction as to how these opportunities, you know, present themselves? Is it a case that you have to have some kind of legal experience beforehand before you jump to in-house? Is there a um, you know, an equivalent to partnership that you get through the in-house route? That's such a great question. I think these days, I really don't think that you need to have private practice experience as a prerequisite mm-hmm. to in-house. That de- so I think that was the case um, back in back in the day. But but honestly, companies are really understanding the value of having their lawyers within the company. And the cost mm-hmm. of external lawyers versus, you know, the salary of, of the headcount of someone employed inside, sometimes it just makes more sense to have that spend within the company. And you, um, you're, I'm seeing certainly uh, in Australia, there is uh, more jobs for paralegals and junior lawyers, interns in in-house departments than there have ever been before. And I think that that's driven by cost and, mm-hmm. and cost saving. And um, I think that that trend will continue. So either way, and to be fair, private practice experience is equally favorably looked upon. And if you have a general commercial experience and you want to work for um, in a general commercial company, that's going to translate really well. If your experience is, say, in disputes or, or perhaps back-end construction, you will certainly be able to find in-house opportunities they just may be more limited to companies, obviously, say, construction company in that example, mm. or a company that has a lot of litigation. Um, media, you know, you can often find that there is a lot of uh, litigation in, in that space. Just working through, oh, my goodness, all the, all the issues that would come up, defamation <laughs> and, and any number of, oh, I just can't even imagine. But I have <laughs> colleagues that work in that space who are, who are very much, uh, they're, they're litigation focused and so they, they bring those skills. If you have an intellectual property specialist in private practice, you know, those skills are going to be fantastic for a technology company like where I'm now. If, if you have patent experience, you know, that expertise, it's just never going to be a disadvantage and it's, um, you know, no experience is ever wasted. So either path I think is viable. It all just mm. depends on what your goals are, what your opportunities are. And to be realistic, I, I know that private practice positions are, are hard to get. It's competitive and it's not available to everybody. And I, I don't think that that would then discount you from being able to be an in-house lawyer at some time down, down the track. It's, I think that the world has changed. The industry has changed in that respect. And I'm, I think it's for the better. So once you're in, and you've got your foot in the door, you're working for an in-house legal department. The path is uh, will depend largely on, on how big the team is. Generally, the head of the department will be the general counsel or the GC. The chief legal officer is sometimes what that position is called, the head of legal. That person will usually sit on the senior management team, the senior leadership team of the business and have, you know, the, the seat at the table, as they say and really be a part of executive strategic decision-making or decision-making along with the CFO, the CEO, chief commercial, operations, 
head of people and culture, those positions will all sit together and then you'll report into the general council. Within the, you know, there are certainly tiers that align with private practice in terms of a legal counsel, a senior legal counsel, which, which may be more of a mid-level lawyer. You can have a specialist in-house lawyer who may be a senior lawyer who focuses just on the the property side of things, the dispute side of things, the employment law side of things. There's certainly a lot of support staff, assistants, paralegals, again, depending on the size of the team. And a trend within the in-house industry is for legal operations to be, has become a really, a really big thing. And you'll find for really large, really large corporations, you know, like I'm thinking Boeing and Google mm-hmm. and um, these, you know, multinationals, the operations of the legal team alone are so big and the budget is so massive and there's thousands of lawyers around the world that they will have within that team an entire team dedicated to managing the operations, the spend, the resourcing, <laughs> dealing with external lawyers and procuring services and being efficient, looking at technology mm. and how technology plays a part in the department. And um, that's an entirely new field that really just didn't even exist in within the last five years. So that's exciting. That, that is exciting. And you've painted a great overview there of, I guess, the uh, the paths that are out there within the legal um, in-house sphere, which I think um, doesn't get painted enough, should we say, at the kind of younger levels of um, legal development and kind of you know students who are wanting to learn more about the process. There's certainly a lot of depth and a lot of ways to advance your career and to grow and to learn and to be mentored and to be led and, and to have all of those wonderful opportunities in business that you can have when you're exposed to people who, professionals who aren't just lawyers, to be frank. Mm. I work alongside accountants, sales professionals, software engineers, marketing, digital marketing. You know, my clients are, or my colleagues are, people from all different professions and the true there's such diversity there in thinking because you know our, us lawyers have a certain way of approaching things and it's 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 mm-hmm. our way but but there are other ways of of achieving the goal and to work collaboratively with such a, a diverse array of of professionals is something i really enjoy So I guess finally then on that basis, um, with everything that's been said, we've talked a lot about how the differences are there when it comes to private practice in-house, all the different opportunities are available um, for, say, you know, law students or non-law students alike who are listening to this and wanting to learn more about this element of law and to try and get some kind of experience or skill set that you think would translate really well to that sort of um, ability and area of practice. Um, what's your sort of advice for them to do that? Well, I think you have to, you have to network. And start mm-hmm. that now. And that can be online. It can be Instagram, LinkedIn. Oh my gosh, even TikTok. Like I've started a TikTok <laughs> account and I'm, I'm meeting people on there. Like, you know, wherever, wherever you, you are and you can find like-minded people, that's where I would suggest you spend your time. And obviously live events and conferences and networking evenings mm-hmm. on campus or, or elsewhere are just absolutely imperative. But my spin on it is to look outside just within the legal profession. You want to be going to 
Chamber of Commerce meetings, Junior Chamber of Commerce, you know, young professionals in your town, in your city, meeting with people who work outside of the law but still in business because they will be the people that will be looking for a lawyer or for a, a they will have a referral or they'll hear of a new business that has started, you know, it's a startup and they're doing amazing and they need a lawyer and, oh, I, I've met a lawyer and, you know, you, you get that, yeah. that networking effect. Um, but you're going to find those opportunities outside of other lawyers. They're going to be business people and also recruiters. Recruiters really specialize and there are in-house recruiters who really specialize in placing lawyers in-house with companies. Understanding who are the leading recruiters in your area, in your country, getting to know them, mm -hmm. doing the time, going to their events and, you know, commenting on their LinkedIn making the effort to develop relationships. It took me 12 months to transition from private practice in-house. And during that time, you know, I was doing all of the things I'm, I'm kind of saying now. And I got to know one recruiter in particular really well. And I just played the long game there because they, she mentioned to me mm -hmm. once at a cocktail event that everyone is so transactional with her. They just, Talk, they're just your best friend when when she's advertising a role and you never hear from them again. And I mm. really that really struck and that really resonated with me. And I thought, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to touch base, let you know that I'm here, what I'm looking for, and let her know that I was serious and long term. And it didn't have to be just the next thing that she was advertising and that she wanted to help me. She knew me and she was my partner and my career partner in that sense. And she reached out to me when the airport job came up and I was one of the first to be interviewed. So those things just, you know, taking a long-term view and, and being patient can be really sometimes, you know, the key. And I think the last thing that I would say is that people want to work with people who they like and they want to see your whole self at work. They don't want to just see the little piece of you that is the lawyer. You know, companies want you to bring your whole self and to be and to be comfortable as you are and to talk about the things that you're interested in. And, and I think that it's important to develop those passions while you're still studying Oh, mm. having, you know, part-time work and all of the other things that everyone has going on. There's still so much space and time for those, those interests, art, cooking, reading, poetry, singing, like TikTok dances. I don't know. <laughs> like whatever it, whatever it might be that makes you, you. I would just really encourage everyone to lean into that and to not ignore it. And to bring it with you when you're interviewing and to show a little side of yourself that's a bit of color and a bit of fun because you'll find your people that way. If there's people that are turned off by seeing a little bit more personality, that's probably not the place that you want to work. And, mm. you know, I know that there's a lot of privilege in that statement because sometimes we just need to get a job and it doesn't really matter where we have to pay the bills and there's a, you know, we've got to be practical. But mm. if you're able to take some time and you're really looking for something really special that you can enjoy, then bringing your whole self to that interview, to that workplace is going to attract those those companies and those people that you want to work with and be happy in. So I would, I suppose that's that's what I would say on that. Yeah, that's a great snippet of advice to, to round it off with everything else that you shared throughout this episode. And then 
as someone who is uh, obviously has zero experience in the in-house um, field, I've learned a lot today and it was really insightful to hear from you. Um, where can people go to learn more about yourself and more about your content and everything else that we've just talked about today? I would love to meet anybody who's listening and who wants to connect on Instagram. I'm mm-hmm. at the in-house lawyer. Pretty, mm-hmm. pretty basic, pretty, pretty easy simple. to find. <laughs> I was, I must say, I was surprised that it was, you know, the name was still available. Was available. I thought that's pretty, yeah. that's pretty generic. Someone will it's take good real that. Estate. <laughs> I saw that in January and I went, whoop, I'll be, I'll be taking that. Thank you very much. So <laughs> that's where I'm, I'm posting career insights, tips and, and snippets of similar to how I've been speaking today. Just my thoughts on what it's like to be an in-house lawyer and, and how to have some fun along the way. Mm. And, and I think I'd like to think that my, my ideas and my approach is universal and global. And I work for a global company now and I've, I've worked around the world with them. And I think a lot of what I've seen applies no matter where you might be in the world. You know, business is business and there are certainly cultural differences, but the principles are the same and, um, more than happy to connect with anybody who, who might have any questions. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the More From Law podcast. The amount of support the show has received recently has been unbelievable, so thanks again for playing your part in that by listening. If you'd like to support the show, please rate it five stars on the iTunes store and follow the show on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps the show reach more listeners. If you're looking for more tips, resources and guides, you can visit my website www.harryclarklaw.com where you can also sign up to my newsletter and stay up to date with everything that I'm up to. For now though, I'll see you in the next episode of More From Law.